Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for August 13th, 2014. And today we're going to talk about employee recognition. And I want to remind you, if you're listening live, we want to invite you to go and ask questions. And here's how you do it. It's real easy. Number one, and probably the most common way, is to just go ahead and email me at brian at benchmarkportal.com. And that's spelled out B-R-I-A-N at benchmarkportal.com. Or you can go ahead and call as well. Just dial 347-857-3117. And then just press the one on your you have a question and that you want to actually get on to the show. Again, that number real quick, 347-857-3117. I also want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at any time that's convenient for you at our website at benchmarkportal.com. Just go to our website, find Call Talk and the archives, and away you go. Got a lot of great information and shows there for you. So, speaking of shows, let's kick this one off, and it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Call Talk, Mr. Bruce Belfiore. Well, thank you, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is employee recognition, and it's a very important subject. Uh, We did some research about a year ago on agent uh, satisfaction and we looked at over 5,000 surveys, which came together in a report that we called Agent Voices. And one of the things that we found was that uh, recognition is a pain point for uh, call center agents. It scored near the bottom of all categories. So it's one that uh, we as managers really need to look at and to work on a bit harder. So we've brought in an expert on the topic for you, Mr. Zane Safrit. And Zane spent his career in call center operations starting at an entry-level position, and he's worked his way all the way up to CEO. Uh, much of his career was spent serving international customers and sales forces, so he's had the uh, extra challenge of uh, trying to motivate people in different cultural contexts. And he's seen that the language of employee recognition and engagement is, is really a universal language. Uh, works pretty much the same around the world, and, and so are the forms of its uh, return on investment, its ROI. As a country manager, he opened his company's first overseas office in Germany and used employee recognition and engagement to double sales and triple the number of new orders within the first six months. And so this was really a great accomplishment. Uh, He wrote a book called Recognize Them, 52 Ways to Recognize Your Employees in Ways They Value. And in this, he's compiled many of the methods he used to recognize and engage his employees. And a lot of these don't require financial outlay. So this is really important to understand for those of us who are resource-constrained as a result of budgetary concerns. Uh, He also shares research and data to show the positive impact on a company's performance, and he provides inspiring quotes from business leaders on the value of employee recognition. Uh, Another thing that he does is to share his mistakes to help uh, readers avoid them as they begin journeys toward a a culture of engagement. So with with that introduction, it's my real pleasure to welcome Mr. Zane Safrit. Zane? Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Okay. Well, great. Well, Zane, let's talk about this term employee engagement. Uh, Start off with what is it and what should it mean for a company? Well, my first encounter with the term was when I read uh, a book called The Corporate Lattice by Kathleen Binko and Molly Anderson. I interviewed Molly uh, 
uh, on my own radio show. And what got me excited uh, about the term was the positive ROI for companies with high levels of engagement among their employees. I mean, I like the feel-good aspects of employee engagement as much as anybody, but where it drives it home and makes it real is the positive financial returns uh, from in creating a, a culture of engagement. She reported that companies saw significant, uh, I'd say eye-popping improvements in all measures of their performance, uh, revenue profit growth, operating efficiency, customer employee loyalty, sales conversion, equity valuation. And from my own experience, we achieved a lot of these financial results ourselves through uh, employee recognition and creating engaged and enthusiastic employees. Mm. Now, mm. there's a there's hundred different definitions, and most of them tend to be rather dry and uh, academic. But the way I define it, and I think the way most people would, is employee engagement is when an employee's emotions and intellect are involved in their work. They're being proactive, finding and executing solutions and communicating and collaborating and creating sustainable work days and culture with their colleagues. It's when Monday arrives, and sure, it's Monday, and it's work, but you're ready to jump into the fray knowing you got the resources, you need to do your work, you're recognized regularly by your boss and peers, you work with those you consider among your best friends, you have a chance to grow and learn. And I've worked in two companies with high levels of engagement, and the days are busy, fun, sometimes a little crazy. There's lots of laughter and lots of head scratching. You know, as you're racing to deliver, you know, the results and the solutions for all the growth that you're achieving. And it's a very descriptive term, even if a bit bizarre for most folks. It definitely has a ring of an academic uh, origin. Yeah. But everyone understands it, at least on an emotional, intuitive level, uh, and we understand how it's used and what it describes, which in too many cases is not their, their own work environment. Right, right. No, that, that's right. And it's uh, something that's really a shame because it does produce two things, that managers really want to see. First of all, it produces results in terms of improved metrics and performance uh, indices that they can actually show to their higher-ups. And second, it's a lot more pleasant to work in these places, isn't it? I mean, it's just much oh more God. fun. <laughs> and you're, you're not <laughs> dealing as a manager and wasting time with all of the problems that oftentimes come along with situations where people don't feel properly recognized. And, you know, one of the things that uh, strikes me here, Zane, is that you really have a, and from the book as well, sort of an A to Z uh, look at this. In other words, you're looking at it from the point of view of engagement and the human side of things, but then also the revenue, profit growth, and, and even equity valuation part of things. So we're moving from ROI to even EPS, right, type of uh, indices. That's right. And, That's right. and, and for, for our listeners, and, you know, we've seen this over and over again, it's sometimes hard to make that jump because it, there's a left-brain, right-brain thing that goes on in our industry uh, because we're basically people people, right, in the industry. And yet we have to report to people and corporations that are very much looking at the numbers. 
And one of the tough love messages that we repeat over and over again is you have to learn how to translate your metrics, and uh, both in terms of the people side and in terms of the call center side, first call resolution. Okay, if you improve your first call resolution, for example, uh, by motivating people properly, recognizing them pro properly, you will actually reduce your costs. And those costs, that reduction can actually be uh, figured into an ROI if you, in fact, had to pay anything for it, and even into an earnings per share calculation. And we won't get through, go through that, how to do that on this call, but uh, it's one of the things that I hope people who are listening will sort of tune into. And if they need help, you know, we're happy to help them to do that. But uh, very, very important. I I'm sure that you've had some experiences where you've had very satisfying uh, results where not only have you pumped up a center, but you've also been able to do a, a really, you know, wonderful quarterly or annual report to senior management uh, and show some great results for it. You know, I have, and it's interesting what you, that challenge you described, you know, the gap between, you know, connecting the human side uh, with the, I don't know, harder, uh, you know, numbers, uh, financial metrics uh, and quarterly report side. And once I began to connect those two, because in my mind it was so obvious, uh, you know, especially in a small group of, you know, eight or ten people, it was so obvious the connection between, you know, what that said, you know, that call resolution uh, and the uh, reward that you wanted, which it was a sale or a conversion or, you know, mm -hmm. customer retention. But you know, people are in the trenches and they get busy and they don't connect what they're doing uh, to the result. And that's because I wasn't recognizing what they were doing in a way that connected with their motivators and also what connected to the higher purpose, which is, you know, uh, creating an engaged uh, culture with their teammates, generating the results uh, for themselves, for the incentives we structured for them, and then also connecting their efforts with the overall results of the company. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's, the connections are there. It's just we really have to take the time to spell them out in detail and do yes. it on a regular basis. Right, right. Uh, that's it. And it's going to be different for every center, but there are going to be certain approaches that are going to lead everybody in the, in the same way. And so that, that's what really you talk about in the book and, and what we're talking about now. So, well, you know, this is a very trendy topic today. We get a lot of questions about it uh, from clients as well. So, you know, why are so many people talking about employee engagement now? Well, another way to think about it was, you know, it's about time. Um, <laughs> Because according to the Gallup organization and our own experience, 70% um, of employees in America are considered disengaged from their work. Um, and so if you're in a call center and you're listening, stand up. Let's say you're in a, in a cubicle uh, environment. Stand up and look around and realize 7 out of 10 of the, of the cubicles there are occupied by people, good people, Motivated, smart, dedicated, honest, uh, wonderful coworkers, but they're merely going through the motions. Um, That's depressing to think about, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, and I think some people don't want to think about it. And 
when you think about what it costs the economy, that's $400 billion a year. And I don't even know if that figure includes all the jobs not created from all the ideas and solutions either not shared or not uh, heard uh, by the managers. And the mindset and management theory that held employees as cogs in a machine back at the turn of the last century, the Industrial Revolution, you know, it's no longer delivering the results. Um, There's one statistic that just jumps out at me. Um, Since 1964, publicly traded companies have seen a negative return on assets. If people want, I'm happy to share that link with them. And regardless of their ability to honor this truth, employees are every company's greatest asset. So what you're seeing is, since 1964, traditional management methods have generated a negative return on their most important asset, which is employees. And that's the source of why we're getting 70% who, you know, they care enough about their job to do it, to keep it, but nothing more. And think what opportunities and solutions are lost. Okay, so really, uh, the the problem you've stated, I think it's it's very clear, and I'm sure that many of our listeners are uh, sort of feeling the pain themselves, or already feel the pain, but are identifying with the pain. So, in reading the book, though, you're you're adding something different to the conversation. So, tell us about your perspective on employee engagement, as you shared in your book, and then let's actually get into some of the recommendations so that our our listeners can uh, come away with something they can use. Excellent. Um, first off, let me clarify, I, I, you know, I'm not a professor of organizational development. I'm not a theorist. Uh, I don't write white papers. Uh, I'm not presenting myself as a, a subject matter expert or a, uh, a guru. You know, I write as one person who has come up through the ranks, um, sat in the chairs in a call center uh, at an entry-level frontline position, um, and worked my way up and saw, experienced what it meant when I had a manager that recognized me, that gave me the tools and resources to do what I wanted to do in order to meet the goals, and to work in a group of people all aligned with finding the best solution each and every day. And, you know, I started my days, you know, a hundred times with every call going, my name is Zane, how can I help you? And I bring that perspective here to managers and CEOs. My name is Zane. I sat in your chair. I sat in the chair of the people you're trying to motivate and lead and engage with. How can I help you? Here's some ways I found um, that have helped me, and I'm pretty sure they're going to help you. And, you know, in all these positions coming up through the ranks, I saw what's possible when you recognize employees with the tools to do their job, give them the right to participate in in decisions and creating solutions, work with friends, Mm -hmm. and make recognition a daily event, even an hourly event. And when you look at failures and mistakes as not showstoppers or things to be horrified by, but as learning lessons and opportunities to bond together and grow together. Yeah, okay, so it's interesting there, too, is one of the top uh, categories that we saw in this Agent Voices study 
was that people do value very much the uh, atmosphere that they have in most call centers. So the family atmosphere is something yeah. that's very much appreciated. It, and that's at sort of the peer level, uh, and it's when you need recognition from somebody above that it's not coming. So those people listening to this call tend to be managers, uh, supervisors, et cetera. So, you know, take, take it, uh, do a little bit of examination of a conscience and see what it is you might do. Actually, l l let's do that now, Zane, if that's okay. Skip over to yep. some of the things that are your favorite um, things to actually do as a call sure. center uh, manager or supervisor that, that uh, are, are recognition. So give, give some, uh, put some meat on the bones for our listeners here. Absolutely. You know, the things I recommend are the simplest and most affordable, which is you speak to your people every day. Take a minute mm -hmm. uh, and go by and stop uh, what you're doing. Leave your smartphone uh, at your desk or mute it if you have to carry it around with you. And go and take a minute to talk to them make eye contact, and listen to them. You know, I grew up in the South. We talked about it before the show. And, you know, it was common for people just to always say, hey, how are you? How's your family? How's your aunt? You know, so-and-so. It's the same thing here. Um, you can drop the Southern accent, but you can go to them and say, hey, Bruce, how's it going? And be quiet <laughs> and listen. Um, yeah. A yeah. friend of mine um, who runs a company called Results.com he has a more structured approach, which is two minutes and two questions, which is spend two more minutes with each person every day and ask two questions. And they, the next step that he didn't uh, you know, articulate is then you have to be quiet and listen. And over <laughs> <laughs> Unlike what I'm doing. And then you have a chance to uh, develop respect, uh, develop a relationship, begin to understand that person, begin to recognize what it is that's important to them. Um, yeah. The next way is use their name. Um, I've worked in companies where, you know, my manager, not only did they never stop by, but they, if they did, they never used my name. And I knew they had no clue who I was, nor did it matter to them. And um, right there was the seed of the disconnect uh, that we all felt. The other way is um, when you're in a meeting and you're talking to them, you have to close all your devices. You have to mute your phone. You have to put it on do not disturb. You have to close your laptop. You have to turn off your cell phone and pay attention to them. Um, obviously, you have to follow through on your word. How much does that cost? Well, it must be very expensive given that seems to be a key issue uh, with employees and their managers in not following through. But I think it starts with not listening and understanding the impact a manager can have on an employee's day and their performance with just the simple things of stopping by and listening. The other right. thing is, right. you know, we talked a little bit about metrics and the gap between uh, being able to measure it. A lot of companies feel that employee engagement is not a, is not, there are no hard metrics to measure its impact. And, you know, to that, I just say, if you can find a single metric in your company where an employee does not have an impact on it, then don't use that. On the other hand, 
tell me one, one metric where an employee's effort and engagement and commitment does not have an impact on them. So yeah. find, find that one metric that, has, that an employee has the most, uh, the most direct impact on. Uh, for us, it was uh, conversion rates, uh, retention, and testimonials ref and referrals. So by those, we knew right away whether everyone understood their job, everyone had the tools uh, to do their job, and they were the right tools and the right purpose to bring about the results we wanted, which is what our customers wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My most, my favorite uh, tactic, um, we have an extra couple of minutes. It takes a minute to sort of spell it out. Um, I called it the company snitch program. And yep, okay. You know how snitches can really ruin a company's culture. You know, whispers and innuendos and create division and conflict. Well, I read it somewhere, and I hope someday somebody will remind me who, who originally wrote it. But they talked about how snitching is just another form of word of mouth uh, and engagement and means to seek validation uh, and connection among those in your, uh, in your organization. And the issue isn't the snitching. The issue is what they're being given to talk about. Just like with customers, you can either give them a great experience or you can give them something miserable. Either way, they're going to talk about it. Yeah. So we had a great, yeah. we had a great company, and I, and I realized I was not seeing all the little things that people were doing to make us successful. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I asked them, please tell me when you see each other doing heroic uh, uh, actions to save a customer, you know, to keep our servers up, to get billing out, uh, to collect payments, you know, to help each other. Let me know because I want to recognize it. And if you want yep. to keep it anonymous, that's great. I'll just tell mm -hmm. you, you know, use the old phrase of a little birdie told me. So the first yep. time we went through this, uh, I think I did most of the snitching. And it was good. <laughs> it ended the meeting on a high, and everybody felt good. The next meeting is a month later, and I had one or two from the group, and I said, oh, I heard that you know, our IT guy extraordinary kept their servers up, and that meant all of you could, you know, sales could sell, customer service could serve the customers, billing could bill. Did a couple more, and everybody felt good. The third time around, now everybody wanted to jump in. And before long, it was, we went around the room, I think, two or three times with people remembering, oh, I remember this person, they did that, and this person did that, and this person did that. And the euphoria and excitement, you know, was immensely tangible and meaningful, and it lasted for three or four days after that with everybody, you know, high-fiving each other and clapping and remembering and talking about it. And, you know, you take the you leverage the power of a manager's ability to recognize and give that yes. to everyone in the organization. Now you've yeah. got a real culture yeah. of recognition. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting is uh, how some of the things you're talking about actually seem at first blush to be counterintuitive. 
And I think that's where we talk about thinking outside the box, which is what you do. I mean, a lot of these things at the end of the day may seem like they're uh, absolutely logical and totally clear, but in fact, uh, they come out of sort of some out-of-the-box counterintuitive thinking. Think about this, for instance. Uh, the two questions, two minutes that you mentioned that some managers do. Some people may say, oh, gosh, that just sounds so mechanical, sounds so dry. But in fact, right. it's not. It's, it's the structure that allows you in an, a very pressured atmosphere in a very busy day to right. carve out the space for that human interaction that you need in order to really get to know the person that you're, 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 you're in front of, that you're talking to. And That's two exactly questions, right. two minutes. My guess, my guess is that, uh, you know, the, the question should take about uh, 10 seconds and listening should take the, the rest of the 50 seconds, right? That's right. That's right. And, yeah. you know, the nice part about that sort of mechanical nature of it is it frees you up to wonder, okay, what am I going to do today or how should I do it? You've got a procedure. I'm going to ask two questions. And that's the springboard into the really interesting human aspects of it. And sure, it's two minutes, but I'm willing to bet as time goes on, those two minutes grow to three and four and five, and you start circling back onto what's really on the mind of that employee, what's really bothering them, or they're wanting right. to do, or the ideas they have. And that's where you start getting yeah. engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Now, of course, it goes to three or four or five minutes if you're from the South like you. If you're from New England like me, then you can get it done quicker. <laughs> We're just quicker. Um, yeah, there was the case of one of our clients that decided to move uh, south, and they figured that they would save a lot of money. And, turn, and it turns out, though, that the talk time increased so much that they didn't. <laughs> anyway. Um, so true. And, and the second... The second counterintuitive thing is the snitch program. Well, snitch sounds terrible. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. what is it, you know, uh, the, what we talked about when we were in grammar school or elementary school together. And yet it's uh, a wonderful way to get people to talk well about each other and talk well about things that are done. In fact, at the end of the day, uh, Zane, wouldn't you agree that it's also a way of learning and communicating best practices among exactly the people it. of your group, right? That's exactly I mean, it. It's That's not exact, only yeah. a pat on the back, it's also a sharing and a uh, sort of spreading around of best practices so that other people can use those best practices as well. You know, you're exactly right. I hear I read a lot about employee engagement. I, I'm sure you do too. And, and one of the principles is always reinforce be best practices, uh, okay. reward best practices. Well, okay, I like it, but how do you do it? You know, in a way that's really not wooden and not mechanical. And mm -hmm. when it starts coming from your peers, you know, recognition among your peers is one of the key uh, attributes of a strengths-based culture. Um, mm -hmm. And to empower that and to reinforce it by your peers is much more powerful and much more satisfying than to have your boss come over and go, I would like to uh, recognize you for that proper behavior you did regarding, you know, this situation. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes in their words and their spontaneity and their heartfelt um, expressions, 
that's when it starts to take hold. That's when it really, you know, grabs the people by the heart and mind and goes, this is how we want to be every day. Yes, yeah. Okay, well, good. We're getting toward the uh, end of our time here, and uh, I know that Brian has a question that uh, one of our uh, listeners wants to ask, so I'll, I'll turn it over to him. The one thing that I would add is uh, when possible, if you can, write personal notes in your own handwriting. Yeah. That can yeah. be a great thing, too. And, and uh, you know, I've heard of situations where supervisors will actually mail the note to the person at home. And what happens then is it gets opened there, uh, it actually gets, uh, in one way or another, shown to other members of the family and perhaps That's even right. put up on the uh, the uh, uh, refrigerator, you know, or the bulletin board or something like that. And all of a sudden, you've taken that recognition uh, to the individual and you've made it recognition to a whole family. And That's that can so be important great. also, you know, when, when, for instance, if let's say that that person needs to be asked to make a sacrifice to, um, uh, you know, then put in some extra hours or or something like that, the family may be disadvantaged, but they'll at least know that it's being recognized and appreciated, and that can mean a lot. Oh, huge. That's a great idea. Yeah. So anyway, uh, 53. That's number 53. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So... Brian, let me let me turn things over to you because I, I know you've got a question there, and then I, I'm afraid we're going to have to end this uh, very interesting and, and uh, uh, a lot of fun session. Yeah, okay, thanks, Bruce. And, and Zane, let me preface this by we know you're from the South, or at least once were, so we're going <laughs> to ask you to keep this short answer because it's a, it's a big question. Uh, Beverly, <laughs> she, I think we all are appreciating the uh, different ideas and concepts engagement and how to really do it. But Beverly is asking, uh, can you share your thoughts of employee engagement in regards to the different generations that you'd find in the work environment? I think employee recognition and employee engagement uh, transcends uh, generations just as it did uh, cultures and economies. You know, I found that uh, the same steps to recognize and engage employees worked here in the U.S. as it did in Germany uh, and around the world, we had 40 offices uh, eventually uh, with the company I worked. And the same recognition and appreciation and giving the, the right tools at the right time and hiring the right people worked everywhere. And we might communicate in different words. We might have different uh, slogans or, or phrases, but it's going to work across uh, generations as well. And I'm not a big fan of carving out generations, millennials, X, Y, boomers. I think it's more important to talk about what they share, the commonalities among it. And, you know, that's human recognition, appreciation, and validation. So I hope that answered it. I think that does. Now, that's mm-hmm. nice that you kind of bring it down to the human element where, you know, people are people. And, uh, you know, there's an intrinsic kind of value to us as a human being and not to get wrapped up in the different generations and clothes and everything. It, it kind of simplifies things, too. So I bet people will be happy to hear that, your take on it. Good. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, we've come to the bottom, a little past, in fact, the bottom of our hour here. But, uh, Zane, this has really been uh, a great session Really appreciate your insights and uh, the things that you're bringing, the things you've learned together in your book, and then sharing those insights with us here. So thank you very much for your time today, and 
and for your contributions. Thank you, guys. I so appreciated you know, being on your show. As I mentioned before, I wish you guys had been around uh, back in the day when I was training people, when we had no real training programs and we were learning as we went. Um, mm-hmm. Would have made our day uh, a lot smoother, I think. But now you're here, and I'm happy to help uh, people get to know you because you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks again, and uh, over to Brian. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Zane, for keeping that line. I do appreciate it. <laughs> That's it up well. Sure. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I uh, want to uh, let everyone know that uh, we have another talk coming up next month. It'll be September 17th. But once again, we've got a lot of great shows in there, all sorts of different topics, and that way you can even download them, listen to them on your way home or to work, whatever's convenient for you. Also, that you can sign up for our free and see how your center compares to others in the industry. That's a really good management tool to help you uh, get a concept of where your center is performing well and where you need, might need some work. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day. Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.